for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Anthony Slater, who covers the Warriors for The Athletic, about the 41-13 nine-straight win Golden State Warriors. Klay Thompson has had his minutes restriction upped to 30 minutes. He played 29 on Monday night as part of a 110-98 win over the Oklahoma City Thunder. He led all Warriors scorers with 21 points, but it was Jonathan Kaminga, the 19-year-old rookie with 16 off the bench that helped spur this one in the third and fourth quarters. All things we can talk about with Anthony Slater, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, February 9th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Anthony Slater. He covers the Golden State Warriors for The Athletic. Anthony, you got a team that's won nine in a row, man. That's got to be pretty impressive considering all the rotational pieces they've missed at different times this season. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, yeah. I would say the thing that has stunned me most this year is the way their defense has just been stable and consistently excellent, really. the Consistently the best defense in basketball, regardless of who's been in and out of the lineup. Even when they had Draymond Green and the roster they built this summer, I thought it could be fringe top 10. No, it was number one most dominant. And even since Draymond Green's been out, Andre Iguodala out. They win with defense every night, pretty much. Yeah, if you were to tell me that those two guys were going to be out for a considerable amount of time and Iguodala eight games missed before playing six minutes on Monday night before he goes down with the injury, uh, again, the lower back injury, we can talk about that in, in a couple of minutes. But if you told me they were going to play as good a defense as they are without those guys, I wouldn't have believed you. Is this a testament to Mike Brown then because Draymond's been out for this, this period of time? You know, I, I don't think anyone deserves like full credit for it. I think Kevon Looney is right up there with like most deserving of credit. I mean, he's just been not only just a stable back end anchor and force, but he's also played every game in the COVID season where I think he's one of only, at last I checked, 11 players across the entire league that have played uh, every game. And this is a guy who a few years ago couldn't play any games, basically, because he had about 19 different ailments. So just the way he's defended on an every-night basis. Andrew Wiggins is just kind of like the perimeter workhorse who's going to you know start every game guarding the best opposing perimeter score. He's been excellent. Gary Payton has this like change of pace, like steel hound off the bench. I think he might still be leading the league in steals per 36 minutes. Steph Curry's having probably his best defensive season. I could go down the list. And then you know the name you mentioned does need to be matches Steve Kerr who always has had a commitment to defense and and will prioritize defense and coach defense but also Mike Brown who took over he was offensive coordinator the last couple years which honestly didn't go that well they've got him back to his roots which is defense which is go back to his Cleveland Cavaliers head coaching days that's just what his teams were built on and he has really coached it up well he's had various strategies that have uh, all been rooted in accountability behind the scenes every player has a number it's like a metrics based number that 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 their input system puts out and he publicizes it and and you know it goes up and down game by game and he he's basically calling guys out who have bad numbers he has players defensive players of the week defensive players of the game whatever and then you see it during games especially if you know you're at the arena every time timeout happens the players go over the bench and Mike Brown is in their face talking about this mistake and that mistake and where that needs to be shored up and I think they've also done a great job this year just game to game changing their schemes to fit the personnel they're going against. It's just been a really good job on that side of the ball. 
Boy, it's a great scope into what's going on defensively. By the way, that's what happens with me and my producer, Brian Smith, man. When I mess up on the podcast, uh, he sits me down right afterwards, gets in my face, and, uh, and checks off Towel all the, over the your mistake. shoulders, <laughs> and he just, he's all on, you know, going after yeah. you. It chew me out and doesn't call it a rookie mistake either. Uh, as far as the offensive rotations have gone, just sort of a, a quick thought here. Does it feel to you like Clay Thompson has taken some of the pressure off Steph Curry? I mean, I guess that's an obvious way to look at it, but even in his limited minutes before now, they've gotten him up to the 30-point the benchmark, or the 30-minute benchmark, I should should say does it feel like him being on the floor has eased some of that pressure on Steph offensively yeah and I also think Steph has and maybe Clay's reappearance has allowed this but Steph is taking a step back and stop and really try to play more point guard lately and, and pass more his assists are up his shot attempts are down you know when he was chasing the record and and really when he was chasing getting out of the slump I think he was like kind of thirsty to get out of the slump for a little while he was just shooting too much and, and, and trying to fight these aggressive defenses with his own aggression. And I think he's taken a little bit of a step back lately, which is, you know, with Clay Thompson, you know, being out there, it's made it easier for him. But I think he's just playing a smarter floor game. Uh, and, and, you know, his stats, particularly his points per game, are, aren't jumping off the page. But I, he's been good lately, I think, really the, during this nine-game winning streak, which started when he kicked the chair. Remember that? That was probably his lowest moment was of this slump was against the Pacers. I don't remember what he was, like 2 of 10 or something. They lose to that Pacers team. He kicks the chair. And the next game, he hits the game winner against Houston. And that sparks what's been a really impressive nine-game win streak without Draymond. Kicking the chair is like the mature version of, of Steph throwing the mouthpiece, right? <laughs> Where he gets frustrated and, and uh, he's doing it a little bit more mature now. How would you evaluate the transition of Jordan Poole to the bench? Nine of nine uh, from the free throw line that was nice of him, uh, or a good game from him in San Antonio. Eight assists off the bench on Monday night against Oklahoma City. How would you evaluate his performance off the bench? Better, improving. He wasn't very good the first five or six games that Clay Thompson was involved in. He was kind of wandering around the court when he came in, seemed to lose his ag- aggression level. And then it would show back up when Clay, you know, because Clay Thompson would have to sit back to backs. And then suddenly he would be starting again. And I remember, like in Chicago, for example, he'd been bad for a few games. Clay Thompson's not playing. Boom, he's great. And the, and the Warriors win. And, and they were trying to get him in a smaller role still have play the same style and I think they they've kind of discovered that and, and that included within that I think Steve Kerr has been more creative getting him in different rotations playing him alongside Steph and Clay at the same time on the court to open the second and fourth quarters they're playing small ball a bit more and Poole I you know they kept shouting him out post game in Oklahoma City but they thought he played a really good game I think he had eight assists maybe zero turnover something like that maybe one turnover I think he's playing better. He's not chucking as much. I guess that's a theme of this podcast. But uh, really, I mean, if you think about <laughs> it, Steph, Poole, and Clay even recently are not forcing shots as much. Everything seems to be coming more within the flow. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. In terms of projecting what rotations could look like in a couple of months when they get to the playoffs, it's tough to do because you don't have Draymond, you don't have Andre right now. We can sort of ideally plot out what we think they would do, but are they big enough right now? I know there's talk about Wiseman coming back and, and they would need him to get a, a number of games under his belt per Bob Myers last week for him to be okay in a playoff rotation, but right now it's just kind of Kevon Looney and a lot of small ball. Where are you on their size and is there any chance they make a move before the deadline to improve that? A move is very unlikely. They like their current 15. Uh, they're not mortgaging the future in trading Wiseman, Moody, or uh, Kaminga. So 
if they did add, it would be, you know, the really kind of bargain bin, maybe buyout market, maybe, uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned the Marcus Sol idea. He's currently in Spain and has hinted at a possibility of coming back over. Like, that's certainly, I guess, on the table, but I think they feel pretty settled with their front court rotation as long as the belief remains that Draymond Green will be back. And as of now, uh, you know, Draymond in his press conference the other day and even Bob Myers are signaling that they believe Draymond should be back at sometime in March, it seems, if I'm reading it right. And even James Wiseman, they're still like holding out hope. Maybe he could chip in. I'm more skeptical of that. But Draymond's the big name. If Draymond Green is back playing, they have Looney to kind of soak up the normal center minutes. Draymond at small ball five in every moment that really matters. And even Porter helps. Bielitsa helps. Kaminga's done some some kind of interesting stuff in the really smaller lineups. And then the real reason that they're comfortable is because an internal belief that the league doesn't scare you at the center position anymore. Joel Embiid is in the other conference. Nikolai Jokic would have a great series against the Warriors, but I think you know Nikolai Jokic had a fine series against Phoenix and they got swept last year. Like You can still beat the Nuggets with Jokic having a good series. Towns, same thing. So most teams just don't have threatening front courts from a huge size perspective, and I think the Warriors like their current roster and the flexibility it provides even if you know you might get beat up on the glass a little bit but look if phoenix wants to just post up deandre ayton 25 times a game in the west finals i think the warriors would be fine with that yeah you'll take your chances with that i guess what concerns me more would be teams sort of like phoenix who can beat you inside on the offensive glass 18 rebounds offensively uh, for oklahoma city and kept them in the game on monday night but then i think of a team like utah i don't know if they're going to get to rudy gobert who's still dealing with that calf strain but a team that has a player like donovan mitchell that can attack the rim and you see that with the suns and devin booker and then a rim protector like a rudy gobert do you think that causes problems Yes, I do. Uh, Gobert had a bunch of offensive rebounds in a game New Year's Day in, in Salt Lake City, and the Warriors won that game. And that's to me like I the vulnerabilities are there. Like you know, you mentioned the eighteen offensive rebounds the Thunder had in that game, but they find ways to win regardless. And it's like they're the third best rebounding team in the league. I do not know how. But they are, uh, you know, that's what the stats say. And they're the best defensive team in the league, and they continue to be despite you know a lack of interior you know normal traditional force down there they scheme well and they generally gang rebound well they box out well you know Draymond very much helps that you know think about what he used to do to Capella they'd go small against Houston and all you would see is Draymond just you know is basically I hope I can say it on this podcast his ass really down low and just you know (laughs) moving Capella out of the lane and there's a lot of trust that that's how they win because that's who they are that's their identity I Remember like the Zaza years, there was that one year they had like six centers and by the West Finals, one of them was playing. You would just look over the bench. It was JaVale sitting next to David West, who's sitting next to Zaza, who's sitting next to, you know, Farajau or whoever. Um, <laughs> they think wings will help more. And and the type of versatile wings they have, the Damian Lees, the JTAs, even the Bielitsa. To me, those are the three most vulnerable roster spots if you're talking about adding. But I don't think they believe they can add somebody on the cheap who would help more than those three can in their in their own kind of unique ways. Yeah, with the small ball rotations in the playoffs, you don't need that many centers now. It's it's better to have the positionless guys who can who can match up and move the floor. And that's what you're talking about with Kaminga and Iguodala and, and Draymond Green. Can't let you go without a thought on Jonathan Kaminga. I think everybody's a little bummed and like really confused that he's not going to be in the futures game. I don't know if any of that can be remedied between now and, and when that takes off. But thoughts on him and, and how impressive he's been in the, I don't even want to say limited time. He's like a rotational piece right now. They're going to continue to play him. Most athletic warrior maybe since Jason Richardson, but – 
Uh, how impressed with you or him, and, and how would you evaluate his play to this point? I will tell you, I'm not bummed he's not there because I'm not going to Cleveland, and I have no interest in that <laughs> event. And he shouldn't be too too bummed either. He should be in Cabo or something. You know, go get go get yeah, some right, beach right. time, especially because hey, Kaminga, you're a rookie, but you might be playing to May and June. It's a good time to get a break. He's not in it because I think his lack of minutes, right? Just raw stats because. I mean, he's right, in the back right. end of a rotation. But the returns, particularly the returns in the last month and a half or so, really since Draymond has gone out of the lineup, have been really good. You know, I think he's doing a lot more of the stuff that had been keeping him from the lineup, you know, like the team rotations and sometimes the shot selection and just being aware of, of the game plan. Steve Kerr's mentioned a few times they didn't like how he wasn't sprinting the floor, even though that should be one of his best skills because he's so fast, so dynamic. If he can use that, like Sean Marion is a guy that, that Kerr has referenced, he can do what he basically did in Oklahoma City and has done a bunch lately, which is get out on the court and score 11 points in nine quick minutes because he's just going to get some dunks and some slips to the rim, some transition opportunities. And I believe he leads the all-NBA rookies, a very good rookie class in per 36-minute points. He's kind of been a point machine out there. And the three-pointer hasn't looked terrible either lately. So they have to love the way he has shown to be able to help them now while also flashing what, you know, 2026 Jonathan Kaminga could be really good. I think that's what we're learning. Uh, Anthony, that's great stuff, man. Love reading you. You give so much great information. I found out from you that the Warriors were number three in the NBA in rebounding and that that was a slip from like being number one for the first part of the season. So keep up the great coverage, man. Uh, enjoy the All-Star break, and we'll catch up with you down the road. All right. Thanks for having me. Great stuff from Anthony Slater. Make sure you follow him at Anthony V. Slater for all your Warriors information on Twitter. Warriors 41-13 and 13 staring down a game with the Utah Jazz tonight. They're a tough team, but maybe without Rudy Gobert. He missed Monday's game against the Knicks and has been out for some time with a strained left calf. So his status for tonight uncertain, but it would be a nice little litmus test for this small ball Warrior lineup against a team that plays a little bit bigger around the rim. Thank you to Anthony, thank you to Brian, my producer, and thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. How else would we wrap up Super Bowl week than with a football guest? Lindsay Jones, she covers the NFL for The Athletic. We'll talk to her on Friday about all the stories across the NFL. Where does Jimmy Garoppolo land? Where does Russell Wilson go this offseason? Maybe a landing spot for Aaron Rodgers. Also, a pick on this Sunday's game. Rams and the Bengals, Super Bowl 56 from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Until Friday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.